What's up, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of J&W Talks, the podcast where Janelle and her dog Willow shed light on being a broke college kid with a pocket full of change and a dog that has giraffe legs. I want to start off by dedicating today's episode of J&W Talks to Black History Month. If you were not aware, the whole month of February is dedicated to Black History, and today we are going to go over kind of the history of how Black History Month started where it came from, and what you should do to be active during Black History Month to support the Black community. I want to state a little disclaimer before we get into today's topics. Black History Month is a time where you should feel uncomfortable. Feeling uncomfortable and stepping out of your comfort zones means that you're learning new things that you never knew before, and you can then apply that things to how you live your life and interact with different cultures. So if you have not yet felt uncomfortable during the month of February, then I really encourage you to listen to the rest of this podcast so that you can try to educate yourself and then try to be an ally for the black community. Okay, now that I said that little piece, let's get into how Black History Month started in the first place. So today I am getting my information from history.com, which is a credible website. And history.com states that Black History Month first sprouted from Carter G. Woodson's Negro History Week, which was held in February, but ever since Gerald Ford in 1976 officially recognized Black History Month for the full month of February, every president since him has also done the same thing. Carter G. Woodson and Jesse E. Moreland created the Study of African American Life and History in 1926, which was an organization to help recognize the achievements of the black community. And because of this, Black History Month is all about like recognizing the people that aren't showed up in history as much because they're just left in the dust, even though they have all done something essential to help uplift the black community. Now that we know a little bit of the history behind Black History Month, let's jump into how you can become an ally for the black community during this time. According to the NAACP website, people can do things such as support black businesses, visit a black history museum, donate to a black organization such as NAACP, express and embrace your black culture, donate to an HBCU, and always learn more about an unmentioned black hero. The biggest thing I think every other culture should be trying to do during Black History Month is try to educate themselves more on black culture and the history behind the black community and all the oppression that we feel every day. If we do not begin to educate ourselves on the history of a particular culture and its oppression that it faces all the time, then how will we be able to make change and make sure that this one culture gets the representation that it deserves? Okay, let's move on to another big topic that we have for today, which is cultural appropriation. Today, I want to focus on cultural appropriation in regards to black culture. I want to give a quick definition of cultural appropriation before we get into some aspects of black culture that have been appropriated. According to Cambridge Dictionary, cultural appropriation is defined as the act of taking or using things from a culture that is not your own, especially without showing that you understand or respect this culture. Now knowing the definition of cultural appropriation, we will get into some examples that have been stolen from the black community. Our first example today that is pretty relevant right now are 
the use of cornrows, box braids, and dreads. These protective hairstyles are originally from Egyptian and African origins, and they were used by slaves to represent where they were from and used as a protective hairstyle while they were doing hard slave labor. I found this information from history.com once again. In West African communities, braids were worn to symbolize marital status, age, religion, wealth, and rank. Fast forward to now, people who are in this race group wear these hairstyles to protect their natural hair or to symbolize their history. European style hair, such as having smooth texture, straight hair, has always been the preset norm or the beauty standard in U.S. society. So when these white Europeans saw these people from Africa or just black people in general having different textured hair than them that was curly and coarse, they thought it was very unfamiliar and very unprofessional. This type of hair was made out to be bad and very unwanted. So everybody was told to try to make their hair look as European and white as possible. So fast forward to me being in middle school and high school, I would always try to slick my hair back as tight as I could so that it would look like a white girl's ponytail. Or I would try to straighten my hair so that I could look similar to the other white kids in my school so that I could try to fit in as much as possible. I remember one of my biggest fears in the classroom was wearing my hair out and big and having a person that was sitting behind me in class say that they couldn't see the whiteboard because my hair was so big and asked me to move. My experience ties back to how people would try to put their hair in these braids to try to tame their hair so that people in the white community or people that were white Protestant wouldn't treat them with more disrespect and hate because their hair was pulled back as tight as they could as compared to someone that wore their hair all the way out very untamed and unruly. Knowing why these hairstyles were created back then and why they were used, we can finally discuss how it is being appropriated in the white communities today. In the most simple form I can, I'm going to give an example of this appropriation. So, for example, someone in the black community gets their hair done in cornrows and they go to work and their boss or an employee tells them that they are not allowed to wear that type of hairstyle because it is very unprofessional. So in fear of losing their job, the black employee goes and gets their hair in a silk press, which is pretty much just straightening it and making it look as smooth as possible so that it looks similar to a white person's straight hair. Yet the next day they go to work and the same employee slash boss that told them that their hair was very unprofessional had just went that night to get cornrows. And they come up to the black employee who just got a silk press to look more professional in the white boss's eyes and talks about how much they love their new cornrows and how professional and how cute they look. And to make it even worse, this employee that went and got the cornrows actually calls the cornrows a different name to make it sound like it was their idea in the first place and to make it more of a white culture aspect instead of acknowledging that it was from black culture and educating themselves on the premise of why people put their hair in these protective hairstyles. 
I want to bring up some of the names that white people or white passing people try to make up for these braids to try to make them their own. So some of these names include boxer braids, bobby pin headbands, and inside out plates. This act of renaming an activity or a product or even like the hairstyle like I just said has been repeated so much in history and it's these European people's way of taking someone else's product and making it their own and completely disregarding the history behind the product. Now in media we see famous people such as the whole Kardashian family taking these braids, wearing it as their own, and making it more popular in the media's eye. And I want to restate that it's only more popular now because white passing people have put on this hairstyle and made it a normal thing. But when someone who is black or African American wears this hairstyle as part of their culture, they are bashed, called ghetto, very unprofessional, and seen as all-around bad people. If you are Caucasian, I seriously advise you to stay away from these hairstyles, as in reality, your hair actually doesn't even need these type of hairstyles or the protection that they provide, since how typically white or Caucasian people's hair is very soft and it is not coarse and typically does not have as many kinky curls as someone who is black or biracial or African-American. If you are someone who really prefers putting their hair in box braids, cornrows, etc., and you are Caucasian, I really advise you to be careful and to educate yourself on the premise of these braids and really be ready for backlash from the black community because there's a really big issue with Caucasian people trying to steal this hairstyle. I just want to say a quick thank you to everyone who listened to the whole podcast today. It is very important that we take time to educate ourselves on the history of how February became the month to celebrate the black community and to learn more about how to not appropriate black culture and how to be an ally for Black Lives Matter and just black people in general. The next episode of JNW Talks will be about racism and how people try to reverse it in America. This concludes another episode of JNW Talks. To stay up to date on new episodes and to recommend topics that I should talk about, follow my social media. My Instagram is JanelleC underscore five and my TikTok is JanelleB.C. Thank you all for listening. I hope to see you next time. This podcast is sponsored by A1 Expediting. A1 Expediting, have all of your transportation carrier needs taken care of reliably and in a flash.